If you liked hearing Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson provide secrets on negotiating for total compensation, dealing with microaggressions, or simply being able to just be your authentic self, then welcome to season two of Secrets. Are you one of the only on your job? Do you wonder why the same type of people continue getting promotions? Have you dreamed of getting to the top but don't know how? Welcome to Secrets Season 2, a podcast devoted to showcasing dilemmas faced by underrepresented employees in their quest to climb the career ladder. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, have experienced the corporate grind for more than 20 years. Now they want to share their adventures, pitfalls, and C-suite secrets that they've learned along the way. So let's fill up those cups and get started. Here are your hosts. All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Secrets. Hey, KP, man, what's on your mind today? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Ricky. It's good to be with you. I think today we'll just kick off our episode with an email from a listener that we got. I thought it'd be a good one to share with everybody today. So basically, email said, hey, Ricky and Keith, I've been sitting just below the executive band at my company for the last five years. And whenever I have a conversation with my boss about a possible promotion, I feel like I'm getting a runaround. (laughs) It's never about me getting the job done, but he can never articulate why I can't get to the next level. A colleague told me it had to do with how I'm showing up in the room. Can you give me some secrets on how I may be able to show up so I can get to that next level? Wow. Wow. I mean, this is a good one, man. This right here is a good one right here. And number one, I appreciate the listener feeling comfortable enough to be able to ask us for a little guidance here. No doubt. This listener is talking about executive presence here, Keith, or being executive ready, as you and I like to speak to it. People can describe this shit to you, but outside of actual sponsorship, this is one of the biggest factors in getting to that executive management level, in my opinion. No, it sure is. And I think we all have been in those situations when someone walks into the room and everything just stops, right? It's just, (laughs) you're like, ooh. Who is that? (laughs) We've all been there. That's really kind of executive presence, you know, what it feels like when you see it. And today we'll spill some tea on what it means and how to bust through to get to the next level. Hmm. So in this episode, we'll define executive presence. We will share some of our personal stories of good and bad examples of executive presence. We'll provide some receipts on why executive presence matters in getting to the top. And we will close out with five secrets on how to develop and enhance your executive presence. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. So, so Keith, let, let me just start out with this, man. So in terms of like setting the stage here, I want to define executive presence so that as we continue through this discussion, we'll be on the same playing field here or the same ground. Yep. So according to the Center for Talent Innovation, executive presence is a combination of gravitas Big word here, right? But meaning confidence, poise, and decisiveness. It's also communication, meaning speaking skills, assertiveness, and ability to read the room. And also, let's not forget the appearance. That's important as well. Absolutely. And to build on that definition, I was reading a Business Insider article, and it talked about seven traits of executive presence, composure, connection, charisma, confidence, credibility clarity and conciseness. <laughs> so, man, those C's, the seven C's. The seven huh? C's, that's yeah, right. The seven C's. So, I mean, I just got to be honest with you, man, I sure wish I would have known that doggone definition. I had those seven C's earlier in my career because I can tell you about 
20 different times yeah. <laughs> when I made a number of mistakes that were not gravitas worthy, yeah. you know, poor communication style. And I definitely did not read the room the way that I should have. Mm-hmm. So KP, check this out. Now in my head, you know, I can remember a time when I thought that I was ready for the next level. I mean, and, and I think we've been kind of putting our business out there for a while now. I probably thought I was much better than I really was. And now I'm realizing that I really didn't have you are ready. Like, <laughs> <laughs> in so many situations where I'm like, I remember a time I'm like, damn, when did I actually get it together? Right. But I had, let me just set the scene for you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I had on my oak tree suit. Not you oak know, tree. Not yeah, oak tree. Yeah, it was the oak tree suit, man. It was a bit baggy, you know, wasn't fitting well, but I bought it myself, right? Yeah. And I spent a lot of time trying to pull those autumn colors together, you oh, know? No. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. You got some burgundy and some orange. And yeah, some, man. Hey, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was real about it, right? I had my waves and my hair just cracking that day, right? Somebody <laughs> was going to get seasick. Yeah. In this meeting, right? I was ready for it, right? But I spent a lot of time ensuring that my attire was ready for this presentation that I was given for some senior leaders. Mm-hmm. But the only problem was that I was absolutely not prepared for the business part of that presentation, mm-hmm. right? I look good, but damn it, I sure hope they wasn't going to ask me any questions, right? Ooh. But when they asked me some questions about specific numbers and projections or anything that would move the needle by way of adding revenue, okay? By Mm -hmm. adding revenue to the situation, that's probably where things started to kind of- Kind of crack a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's where things started to kind of dip for me a little bit. So, you know, as I'm thinking about it, I had to keep saying, like, I wasn't prepared to answer any of those questions that day. I had to keep saying stuff like, Hey, that's a great question. I'll get back to you. (laughs) You know, so in essence, like when I think about it, in essence, I squandered that opportunity that day, right? Mm -hmm. Now I got the answers to every single question. And I think that showed a level of accountability, but not the level of executive presence that I had hoped for that day. I mean, I was talking about how I was ready, but I wasn't. So valuable lesson. But that definitely set me back in a ton of ways that day. Again, yeah. this was this was this was the moment of truth that day. Yeah, yeah. Well, luckily you were able to recover <laughs> eventually. <laughs> yeah. Eventually. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've been there. And think about that definition that you gave from the Center of Talent Innovation. It also pointed out that white people and people of color actually in terms of prioritizing those things, they prioritize gravitas over communication and communication over it appearance. So mm-hmm. we all agree on that. And you know, black folk, like you just said, we like to go to work looking sharp, right? We're going to be ready, but that ain't the most important factor. You got to have that gravitas and that communication. Yeah. Otherwise it's going to be a long day for you. Right. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> long day. So, you know, we'll make sure our, our tire is appropriate and on point. But for me personally, my development areas were always around assertiveness and that decisiveness piece. Uh-huh. And because I'm almost too deep of a listener and a processor and team player looking for consensus and trying to build consensus and things like that. And so that's actually one of those things that kind of held me back for a little while. And I've always found that if I don't articulate to my team and my colleagues and my boss that, hey, I'm a listener, I'm a processor, and that's just kind of how I work. You know, they start making assumptions about your ass and whether or not you're a capable leader or not, right? 
And so I'm very conscious about articulating that. And, you know, I've over-indexed on composure and credibility and conciseness and reading the room. And those have probably been pillars to my success. But really just thinking about that definition and all those components, I mean, every single one of them is really critical and (laughs) to be self-aware of, right? Yeah, no. And look, you and I have been in boardrooms together and yeah. we'll see somebody probably fumble a little bit. You know how you get that eye contact to each yeah. other? You'd be like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> somebody didn't get the memo. Somebody didn't get the memo, right? But, you know, you know, as you start kind of thinking about reading the room and some of those things that you're particularly good at, here's another part of executive presence that is important to note when you're in meetings. Mm-hmm. Now, we all have smartphones, mm-hmm. iPads, and computers even in our meetings, and everyone is watching what you do, yep. okay? And in some situations, even your leader that's leading the meeting may be doing some of the same things, right? right. Um, but, you know, it's different when they do it versus when you oh, do it. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> so, And I've heard comments made by leaders that this person or that person is always distracted or on their cell phone mm-hmm. or whatever device and not contributing to the discussion or paying attention. Now, that may be true in some cases. Right. But I had to point out to that leader that, you know, they could be taking notes or capturing their thoughts electronically so they don't forget, you know, as right. I see you do and you see me do. Yep. Right. Yep. But again, the irony to this is the Lord knows who that or what that leader was thinking when they left that meeting, you know, what they communicated or what has been envisioned in their mind. And now you think about everyone being still in this virtual environment, going Mm -hmm. on and off screens during meetings. Yeah. I mean, this could be really taking a huge hit to your executive presence or that narrative about you. Yeah, because people will make assumptions all the time. That's right. (laughs) They'll make assumptions. And cracking the code on executive presence is particularly hard for women and people of color. Because really, if you think about it, white, cisgendered, heterosexual male is really the standard that everybody is being compared to on executive Mm -hmm. presence at the end of the day, right? So as a result, many of us are forced to conform to that standard really Thus suppressing many parts of ourselves, our authentic selves, our cultural identity at work in order to get to the top. So that's a lot of stress at the end of the day. And you think about it, of those four standards that I mentioned, you know, for me personally, I only need two of those. So how do I get ahead, you know, at the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because if yeah. that's the standard, I'm just like, well, I'm ass out already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and but you know, you think about it, Keith. I mean, we're up here talking about this right now, and there is something to be said when you don't have someone to talk about this with, and you're just playing this over and over in your own head, (laughs) you know, you don't know, you know, like that old Richard Pryor movie back in the day, you don't know which way is up. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, literally, you don't know how to get to the top of what you need to do. You're spending money on clothes and all of this other, getting your eyelashes or your hair together and everything. And it's really not even about it's that. It's not even totally, about that. Yeah, That's you're right. totally missing it. So I'm thinking like in terms of like the impact, though, I mm-hmm. mean, I know we crack jokes about some of the stuff and we're talking about some of these experiences, but the impact here is underrepresented employees are denied access yeah. to executive management for something we have little or no control over. Yeah, yeah, because the, the standard's there, right? And, <laughs> you know, the moral to the story really is, is that there is this extra burden or this higher bar on underrepresented employees to meet when determining if they're executive ready. 
And, and a lot of times, what, this is in the eye of the beholder, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, like, again, we're talking about things that happen here on a regular basis and decisions are made and you don't even know what they're really talking about. You don't even know what room. to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Like behind the closed doors in that room, you don't even know what they're talking about. You're up here guessing. So throwing darts in the dark and hoping something sticks. <laughs> no doubt about it. And so, and there is some negative impacts to conforming to these standards of what executive presence should look like, right? I saw this term recently called bleached out professionalism. I loved it, <laughs> you know, because what it's basically saying is that you can't be your real self at work. So you're, you're constantly having to hide parts of your identity identity or suppress parts of your cultural identity. And those things make it very hard to perform at the end of the day. And, you know, we talked about in previous episodes about how sometimes the culture gets stolen and whatnot and slang that you wouldn't use before. Now you have like your bosses using that stuff Mm -hmm. and everything else. So now we talked about the bleached out professionalism. They pick and choose what they want to use in there in terms of what's now cool. Yeah. So now you're constantly like the rules keep changing. You wake up one day and the rules are different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. now. So that <laughs> professionalism like is important. You know, I go back to something that I felt in my career as well is another negative impact is the feelings of resentment and sometimes even disengagement for being denied opportunity. Yeah. Right. Like, check out. I mean, look, you feel like you're ready right now. And in some cases, I know I probably wasn't ready in my career, but mm-hmm. I mean, there are times when I've been ready. And didn't get it, you know, or someone said, oh, we still need to see you do X, X and X. And you're like, Mm -hmm. man, please, you know, and, and, you know, and and again, I'm like, okay, well, why do I keep going this hard if you don't even see me that way anyway? So it does cause a bit of resentment, maybe even disengagement when Mm -hmm. you can't get there. So, I mean, that's a negative impact. I know you felt that, too. Yeah, no, definitely. There's no doubt about it. And I think one of the interesting things, and I'll call this a paradox with Mm -hmm. with these negative consequences, is that, like the listener was pointing out, they couldn't get the straight word from their boss, right? And this particularly happens with white bosses. You can't get that honest feedback because they scared of saying the wrong thing. They scared they may say something racist or sexist or whatever the case may be. So they don't say anything at all. And just give you this rope a dope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Because this ain't making no sense to me. And you know, Keith, and, and you know, one of my favorite sayings when we're talking to people about getting intentional feedback is what things need to be true. Yeah. Like, like what can I control versus what needs to happen with the business? Mm-hmm. And asking that question is extremely important because it could be about your executive presence. It could be about you performing. It could be about you stringing some victories together or something like that. It could be. But if you're not asking the specific questions or if you are asking those and they're still not getting answered, mm-hmm. again, we're talking about throwing darts in the dark here. You turn the lights on. Let's see. What do we do? There you go. Oh, Lucy <laughs> and the football. Lucy yeah, and the football. Yeah, Lucy <laughs> and the football. So the other negative impact, you know, that I'll point out is lack of sponsorship for underrepresented employees. I mean, why spend a ton of time on a project when you can just pick the white dude? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know, like it, it makes it like we're talking about the lack of sponsorship, you know, here. I mean, we see this all the time. You want to, you know, spend time doing the work and you're, you're, you're doing these things, but they just go pick somebody else anyways. Here. That's right. Because, you know? hey, the white dude most likely has most of those traits 
of executive yeah. presence that we've been talking about, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, that standard. They uh-huh. are the standard. So, and you know, we joke about a lot of this stuff and have a good time with it, but we also like to bring you those receipts where we yep. back up what we say with some data. And so today we'll share some receipts on the impact that executive presence has on one's career, especially underrepresented employees. And so receipt number one, according to a study by the Center for Talent Innovation, being perceived as leadership material is essential to being promoted to leadership positions. And senior executives reported that executive presence counts for 26% of what it takes to get promoted. So a quarter, a quarter of the pie is based on this concept of executive presence, right? But moreover, in this study, women and minorities were found to struggle more with executive presence because corporate culture is based on a model of white maleness. And women (laughs) in particular say that feedback on executive presence was contradictory and confusing, leading to 81% of female respondents saying that they were unclear on how to act on feedback about improving their executive presence. Man, Keith, I mean, I mean, what's crazy about this is you used a word in the very beginning of this receipt when we talked about perception. Perception. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the eye of the beholder. So we're not talking about the table stakes, whether or not you can get the job done, right. and this, that, and the other. We're talking about that quarter of it is yes. in someone's mind. In someone's mind. <laughs> you know, like That's their perception. Right. And, that, and, and that perception, again, I know it's cliche-ish, but it's someone's reality. Yes, it's a portion of that's right. Reality. That's right. And that perception is based on that standard again. Yes. You yeah. know. <laughs> a- absolutely. So check this out. Receipt number two. In that same study, it also pointed out that the gravitas was the core characteristic that mattered the most. Mm-hmm. 67% of senior executives cited gravitas as the leading pillar of executive presence. Key elements of gravitas that respondents mentioned as important included confidence and grace under fire. They cited that was cited by nearly 80 percent, 80 percent. Like, how do you act when we're throwing shit at you? Yes. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you react, man? You know, how do you get confidently? Yeah. Yeah. As my grandmother used to say, how do you turn shit into sugar? You know what I'm saying? Like, but that's 80 percent. That's a big deal. Right. Mm -hmm. Acting decisively was another part of this. And that was 70 percent. Okay, Mm -hmm. so again, these are part of these perceptions, but you see, these are things that you can do, you know, specifically. The other parts of this study pointed out that showing integrity and speaking truth to power was 64 percent. Emotional intelligence was 60 percent. Reputation, 56 percent. And vision, 52 percent. So following gravitas, I mean, gravitas is huge. Yeah, 67%. Right, that's the main one. Huge at the end of the day. So following gravitas, communication was the next key pillar of executive presence at 28%. Communication, okay? And at the end of the day, appearance was only 5%. So we spend in like 90% of the time on Appearance. 5%. That's right. And it ain't even like the most important thing. It doesn't even matter. Thing. <laughs> yeah, it ain't even the most important thing, man. You know, so I just thought this was a key receipt to kind of bring up because, again, it shows where the focus should probably be different. And in, yeah. even in your development plan, your personal development plan, things that you can work on, 
mm-hmm. that can absolutely help you move the needle. Yeah, no doubt. And receipt number three kind of builds on that. So we'll talk about the communications pillar, right? Which was 28% in total. But on that communications pillar, great speaking skills were cited as the number one communication skill by 62% of people of the communication skills that you need. The ability to command the room was cited by 52%. And the ability to read an audience was cited by 36%. So those are the top three items from respondents in terms of key verbal and nonverbal communication skills that executives need, right? They also identified key executive blunders around communication as well, right? (laughs) And we've all been there, right? But basically, 71% said that people saying racially biased comments was the number one key blunder uh, Mm -hmm. that an executive can make, right? The second most popular blunder was sounding uneducated, which was cited by 59%. So those are the two biggest distractors around communication blunders. So don't go in that room using those big words that you don't know how to pronounce and know what they mean, right? Yeah, up, up, in, there talking about, up in there talking about indubitably. indubitably. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're up in there like in living color back in the day when he was like, due to the polarity, you right. know, the, you'd be like, oh, Lord, stop it, please. Just stop, just stop. <laughs> and another interesting point on this communications piece And we talk about having all your marketing collateral and have all your shit tight. 78% of senior executives also stated that they first searched online for information about new colleagues before ever meeting them. LinkedIn, LinkedIn. We talked about it. So they're checking out how your verbal communication is, how you're putting yourself out in the universe, all that stuff. It matters. You know, LinkedIn, Twitter, all of that, all of those things. So all if you just said something slick in there, be <laughs> careful. You know, if you didn't said something crazy, be careful. But again, those are all part of that executive presence. Mm-hmm. So look, the last receipt, receipt number four here, while appearance is lower on the scale as a key factor in executive presence pillars, it is still viewed as a filter through which gravitas and communication skills get elevated. Yeah. So Good grooming and physical attractiveness are considered central elements to looking like a leader. Now, again, I in the beholder, we know how people feel about yep. natural hair and this, that, and the other because we've had to pass laws, you right. know, for, right. so, so that that discrimination and stuff wouldn't uh, take place. But again, we're talking about how people are wired. Yeah, so, no, no it, doubt. Because if you look right, if you look right, you automatically look like you can speak better or you have a little bit more gravitas, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, pe- people's unconscious bias starts to kind of kick in. Well, I should say they're conscious, conscious you know, like, right. to some degree, right? But but to that point, 80% of the respondents said that unkept attire is the number one blunder for curtailing or derailing talented up-and-comers, followed closely by too tight or provocative clothing. Mm-hmm. So again, call it what you want. You know, at the end of the day, you don't have to believe yeah. me. Okay. I'm just giving you the facts. Yep. <laughs> you know, right. I'm giving you these, these receipts and that's why we give them to you. So you can figure out how to guide your own career. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And you know, this has been a really great conversation so far. 
And we'll finally get to the question that our listener asked in their email to us about what should they do? What does executive presence mean? How do I get this? So we have five secrets for you today on how to develop and enhance your executive presence. Yeah, I mean, in these five, again, get your pen and your paper, and you may have to rewind some of this stuff to be able to kind of get it all here. But five secrets here for executive presence is number one, get an executive coach. Number two, fake it till you make it. Number three, dress to impress. Number four, utilize your development plan. And number five, for our white leaders, get out of your comfort zone. Yeah, those are some good ones. And so to dive into those on that first secret, getting an executive coach can be one of the best investments you can make because an executive coach will help you build self-awareness, build confidence, work on those communication skills and that all elusive gravitas, right? At the end of the day, you know, Ricky and I, we use a process in our coaching where we break you down a little bit. We break you down, then we build you back up, you know, but it's all in a positive, supporting, affirming way. But the point is, is those transformations that we've seen have been amazing. And so having someone, especially that's objective, that can just tell you like it is, give you that honest feedback and help build you up so you are ready is really important. Yeah. And then I just go back to Now, having an executive coach, wouldn't you rather be prepared for what you're going to see in the game, in the moment, rather than go in there kind of unprepared and be like, oh, well, I'll get them the next time. The reality is there may not be a next time. (laughs) You know, you may not get an opportunity. Or that time that you laid a dud, Mm -hmm. you know, that leader could then get that message going in the community. And now there's a whole narrative now that'll follow you for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. No, important, important. So I love that secret. Now, secret number two, and I know we've all heard this, fake it till you make it, but it's true in a sense. You just need to start acting like a boss. You got to start showing up like a boss. How you walk into that room, how you speak when you're in there, how you sit, how you engage, it all matters. Mm -hmm. People are watching. watching We've already pointed that out, right? Read the room, observe how other leaders are doing it, How are they reacting to various situations? What and how they are saying things? I think those are important. We don't want you to just go around copying people, okay? Just doing what they do just because, you know, that's what you think is right. But reading the room will give you a sense also as to whether or not this is the right place for you Mm -hmm. as a leader or how you can be your authentic self, whether or not you can do that there. And in order to break through to the top levels, this will require some appropriation, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, to some degree, right? The key is figuring out how much are you willing or required to adapt or conform in order to get ahead. This ain't for everybody. I totally get it, you know, but again, you have to learn the game so that you can be able to play, play the, the game, game and decide okay. if you want to stay so, in the game. Right? Yeah, and then figure out if you want to win. That's right. <laughs> you know, so sometimes leaving may be the best option for you to get ahead, but sometimes you can actually get what you need by staying in there and just adapt. Yeah, yeah. That's secret number two. Yeah, no doubt. We've been talking about this one with secret number three. You still got to dress to impress, right? Again, it's not the most important key to executive presence, but it's still important at the end of the day. Like we said, it'll elevate those other two elements if you're dressed right, if you're showing up right. So dress to the level that you want to be at. 
So again, don't be dressing like your colleagues. Dress how whatever position you're shooting for, dress like them so that you know how you need to be showing up in the room at the end of the yeah, day. Like, so don't run up in there when everybody's got on navy blue suits or khaki pants and I run up in there with my oak tree. Yes, that's right. That oak tree. That <laughs> <laughs> it was fly, though. I got to tell you, man. I, it was fly. It was I know fly. it was fly. <laughs> but save that for church. Save that for church. Right? Exactly. Yeah, you, you don't have to have all your Sunday best. Right? You know, got to yeah. have your hat and your pearls and everything. But, exactly. But you still need to look better than the average bear at the end of the day. And I say, yeah. don't fall for that casual Friday crap and those other traps that they put out there. Because even when people say it doesn't matter subconsciously it does and there's going to be somebody in that room who is going to matter to at the end of the day so just because old boys wearing some flip-flops or some sandals and some chinos don't mean that you can do that shit too right that's funny hey you remember that episode in sex in the city where they were fighting to have casual fridays And then the one cat came in there with the half-cut netted uh, T-shirt on <laughs> and basically fucked up casual Friday yeah, everybody. for everybody. It was a wrap. Forget <laughs> <laughs> this. But again, that's like, number one, that's self-awareness. But again, that's that executive presence, right? right? Where it's like, that probably wasn't the right way to kind of do that. But again, joking about it, but extremely important secret. Mm-hmm. Secret number four. Utilize your development plan as a tool to develop and enhance your executive Mm -hmm. presence. Again, a quarter of that equation that we spoke to was to making it to the top is executive presence. So you need to manage it like any other KPI. Mm -hmm. Okay. It is extremely important for you. If your boss is too scared to talk about it or giving you wishy-washy answers like our listeners experience that we described earlier, Use that development plan to tee up those conversations. Mm -hmm. What part of gravitas or communication do you need to work on? And what are the specific things you can put on your development plan to hold the organization accountable to your progress? So again, this is that Mm self-reflection. This is that come to Jesus moment for yourself. You know, when you really need to be honest with yourself on things that you need to work on. You know that if you're writing or your grammar is not that well, you need to work on it. You know, if you need to tighten up your business acumen, some of those things in terms of your executive presence, you need to work on it. Yeah, no doubt. And I always love your phrase, what needs to be true? So, I mean, that's the best question you can have with your boss and just say, hey, what needs to be true for me to get there? And if it's these things, let's work on them. Yep. And this last secret, secret number five, and this is particularly for our white leaders who are listening in, we want you to get out of your comfort zone. We've pointed out during this episode that there are hurdles that some of your employees are facing. So making yourself vulnerable and having those conversations is really going to help elevate everybody. So work with your team on the development plans, provide honest, actionable feedback on how people can actually improve. And then step up and sponsor an underrepresented high potential employee. This is what allyship is all about. This is allyship in action. And we've talked about that in several of our episodes. And I would even add, like, on top of allyship, this is actually your job. This is leadership, too. That's right. (laughs) This is actually your job as a leader, right? It's to actually develop and grow all talent, Mm -hmm. not just some or the ones that you're comfortable with or the ones that probably look, act, and respond like you do. This is like your true testament as a leader Mm -hmm. to be able to do this. No doubt. So, look, I mean, you can find 
more of these resources that we speak about on the secrets and some of the receipts that we just spoke to that we've shared by going on our website, Mm -hmm. secrets.com, and looking in the actual show notes for this episode. Again, we give you just a brief amount of information, but there's a ton of stuff we look at to kind of be able to pick out some of those things that are probably most important and most impactful to you. But again, check out those resources and the receipts and secrets that we have on our website and on our show notes. Yeah, no doubt. And as we wrap up here, we definitely wanted to show some appreciation for all of you all out here. You give us energy, you give us life. This topic in and of itself, again, came from a listener, but we've heard it from several people who said that they wanted to hear about executive presence and what it meant and how do you do it and all those good things. So as Ricky said, you can get more information on the website and keep sending us ideas because we'll tee them up. We'll make it happen for you. We read them all. We read them all. I know when Charlotte reads some of these things, she says, hey, you guys, you need to probably check this one out. So we have more ideas and topics than we actually have time right now. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But we're going to actually get them all for you guys. But again, if you like what we're giving to you, if you like this delivery, if you like the content, Here's how you can help your brothers out. Like us on Apple Podcasts and write a review. I mean, we have so many likes on there and quite a few reviews, but we still need to keep getting them, right? Get more, get more. (laughs) Exactly. We want you to follow us on LinkedIn, join our transformation group also on LinkedIn so we can continue to have these discussions. Consider buying some merchandise or trying our coaching services as well. Be one of those people who's advocating for yourself and getting your bread. I mean, we had a sister that we was talking to just recently from a speaking engagement. She was like, you guys are the truth. She went from going from $120,000 to $160,000 just like that, just because she was asking some of the right questions. So I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you all to take advantage of some of those services as well. (laughs) And lastly, Become a patron on Patreon. We're launching some special features and content on Patreon all throughout the year. And we want you to be a part of that as well. Yeah, no doubt. So hopefully you all learned a little about executive presence today. But what is not present right now, Ricky, is a cocktail in my glass. It's a little low, no ice. Low, low, that's right. So, (laughs) So thanks for joining us today on Secrets. And remember, when we share, you transform. Later. Take care. Thank you all for listening today. Hopefully you gained a secret or two that can be applied as your journey continues. If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, and donate via Patreon. Check us out at www.secrets.com to get more information about our secret services. Don't forget to tune in next time for more Hot Fire. Until then, cheers! Cheers!